Ever catch yourself eating the same flavorless dinner three days in a row? Dreaming of something better? Well, HelloFresh is your guilt-free dream come true, baby. It's me, Kiki Palmer. Let's wake up those taste buds with hot, juicy pecan-crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Mm. Hello Fresh. Stop dreaming of all the delicious possibilities and dig in at HelloFresh.com. Let's get this dinner party started. Cara, acne can be tough. Whether your kid is just starting to get breakouts or has been struggling with them for years, there's a great product that can help. Phyla is the ultimate game changer. It tackles acne right at its root cause, rebalancing the skin's bacteria and packing it with probiotic phages. Phyla harnesses the superpowers of probiotics, tiny warriors targeting and wiping out the acne-causing bacteria. In studies, Phyla slashed acne-causing bacteria by a whopping 90%. Phyla doesn't just fix acne you can see. It stops new breakouts in their tracks. It has no harsh chemicals and won't irritate or dry most skin. Phyla's three-step system is like a dermatologist-approved magic potion. Cleanse, apply serum, and moisturize twice a day. As a special treat for our listeners, you can grab 25% off your first order of Phyla. Head over to phylabiotics.com, enter code PUBERTY at checkout, and kickstart your family's journey to acne-free skin. Check out the link in our show notes for quick access. Hi, I'm Cara Natterson. And I'm Vanessa Kroll Bennett. And we are obsessed with flipping puberty positive. Puberty is a stage of life best described as a roller coaster of physical and emotional shifts. It happens to literally every human being on earth. And it shouldn't be cringy. It should feel, you know, pretty comfortable. Which is why we started this podcast and a newsletter and why we film slightly ridiculous but informative social media videos. It's why we have a brand that makes clothes that literally feel so comfortable and why we write books too. Our latest is This Is So Awkward, Modern Puberty Explained. We have built a universe of puberty positivity and it all started with this podcast. We are so happy that you're here. We're thrilled to have Kirsten Jones with us today. She's a speaker, author, podcaster, peak performance coach. She hosts her own podcast, co-hosts called Raising Athletes. She was a D1 athlete herself. She has D1 athlete children. And that might lead you all to imagine, Cara, that she has one kind of view on youth sports. And yet... Oh, she does not. She does not... And the beauty of this episode that you're about to hear is that it's as much about just the act of raising children and helping build humans who can connect and cooperate and have fun as it is about raising athletes. We hope you enjoy it as much as we did. So have a listen. Her book is called Raising Empowered Athletes. It's a fantastic read and shout out to Dolly Clock for connecting us with Kirsten because it's a wonderful connection. Enjoy. Cara, I'm very excited because we have Kirsten Jones on the podcast today and she is like the perfect marriage of our two passions in if life. Cara and Vanessa's passions <laughs> had a baby. It would be Kirsten. It would be Kirsten. Yeah. Um, except she's like much taller, blonder, and more athletic than us. But like besides genetics, it would be be our baby. You've all heard the bio, so you know all of her accolades. But her focus is on youth sports and athletics. And she was a division one athlete herself. She is caring for super athletic kids, some of whom are division one athletes. And this is something you and I think about and talk about all the time. My background with Dynamo Girl has led me to this moment to interview Kirsten, your own life, your own work in pediatrics, your own family life. Anyone who's read our book and read the youth sports over specialization chapter knows this is like an incredible 
incredibly important, complex, crucial topic when we think about caring for kids. So Kirsten, with that just dramatic entry point into our conversation, can you tell our listeners from your own words a little bit about yourself and who you are as a practitioner, as an athlete, as a mother of athletes? Okay, well, I'm going to try not to fangirl. I've been following you guys forever. And Dolly Clock, who's a mutual good friend, has been raving about you for years. So this is a beautiful moment for me. So thank you so much for having me on. I'm so thrilled to be here. Yeah, I'm a former D1 athlete. I grew up in Montana, where you played every season. You played a new sport and you skied. And, you you know, we did what we did in the 70s and 80s, which was <laughs> nobody cared about. We didn't even have club sports. We didn't have... No, nobody cared about you. My dad actually was a doctor. He cared about academics. He wanted me to go to the best school I could get into. And and if you want to play while you're doing this, that's great. But I ended up, yeah, walking on at San Diego State. Wasn't a great fit. Transferred to William & Mary. That coach was in my wedding. I talked to her once a month. She was a life-changing person to me. And that experience was so foundational in who I am. I really believe it's why I'm doing what I'm doing. After that, I took my Japanese degree, Hajime Mashte Dozu Yiroshiku, and I moved to Eastern Europe, as you do when you're 23 and your frontal lobe still isn't fully fused. So my parents were very thrilled with that decision. But both of my twin, my twin sister and my older sister were living in Budapest at the time. So I moved to Eastern Europe in 93, didn't know what I was going to do with my life, so played some pro volleyball over there. And found a cute guy in an Irish pub who happened to be from Eugene, Oregon, who was playing pro basketball. And the first night we're like, okay, what do you want to do? He's like, I grew up in Eugene. I want to work for Nike. And I was like, ooh, there's a great idea. Where are they? Well, they had an office in Vienna, Austria, three-hour train right away. So I literally jumped on the train, showed up on their doorstep, and a couple of weeks later, they hired me. So that began... Can I, a- can I just stop? <laughs> That Japanese that was thrown in there was the biggest flex. And that was amazing. By the way, we have a huge audience in Japan. Japan is is in our top five countries of listeners. So thank you. So I lived there one summer, once like I did summer school there. It was an amazing experience. And being six feet tall and blonde, yeah, yeah, didn't really fit in. I would have the mother, I would live with the host family. And the mother would say, the people are talking about the guy gene that was riding the, that didn't stop at the stop sign today. I was like, oh. Oh, you got in trouble. (laughs) That would be me. Okay. So now we get to fast forward to Nike, which is an incredible place to fast forward to. Yeah. So Eastern Europe, I worked on the Eastern European business, ended up in footwear. My husband ended up working on the brand side. So we lived in Austria, uh, Vienna, Stockholm, Amsterdam with Nike and then world headquarters ultimately. And along the way, I got married, had a couple kids, three kids actually in Amsterdam and then in Portland, Oregon. So two boys and a girl. You know, my joke with the book is when you get pregnant, everyone hands you or they used to hand you what to expect when you were expecting. And you were like, I'm going to be the spirit ever. And you just read. I would. I read it all three times. Oh, it's the size of a lima bean. Oh, I am so excited. You know, and then fast forward four years, you get to kick and chase and you get some yahoo on the sidelines. It's like, I'm not doing this wreck thing, are you? Like, we've got a coach. Like, you're, you're going to do club, right? And here I was, a former D1 athlete who was working with the best athletes in the world. And I'm feeling FOMO. Mm -hmm. I'm feeling like, Mm -hmm. am I doing it wrong? I'm a horrible parent. I'm not doing the coaching. I'm, you know, so So that's kind of where this started. Let's talk about that. Because Cara and I have shared our own stories, (laughs) our own hypocrisies, our own struggles between being the parent we imagined we would be, right? There's like that ideal version of who we thought we would be floating out there somewhere. And then there's the reality, which is (laughs) much more interesting. Sometimes not the same. (laughs) Sometimes not, only 99% of the time, not the same as the ideal. But let's start with that moment on the sidelines Right. We have our lived experience to that point. And then we have that moment that we get sucked into the FOMO and the peer pressure. And this, as we like to call it, the youth sports industrial complex. And you use a phrase in the book, lost perspective 
parenting. Mm-hmm. You know, we know about snow plows and we know about helicopters, but you use that phrase. Can you talk about what that means and put it in the context as we move deeper into the topic of youth sports? Can you ground us in that phrase? Can I go back first and then I'll come back to, to yes. this point? You I can think do whatever you want. <laughs> but I think to give context to how did we get here? How did we get to where we have lost perspective parenting? And it started, you know, in the 50s and 60s, about 26% of women worked outside of the home, right? We get into the 70s and 80s, all of a sudden that number doubles. So now you have almost 50% of women who also have a job. So now we went from letting the opening the door and letting the kids run out and play. And in the seventies, you played until the lights went out and, you know, you came home and nobody cared where you were, you know, in 1981 at Walsh uh, gets abducted. 38 million people turn on their television and see that the world is a very scary place. Of course, what we know is that's not true. It was an anomaly, but all of a sudden we're starting to get marketed to that. We can't just let our kids run outside and play. And at the same time, you know, 1979, this little channel comes online, ESPN. So now I can turn on the TV and at any time I can see Andre Agassi or Tiger Woods or Serena Williams. Ooh, I don't think there was a single moment, but there's kind of the frog in the pot that the water starts bubbling. Parents are now both working. So we now have a little bit more disposable income. Dad wants to find a way to spend more time with the kids, right? So it's all very, you know, I think from the right place. I'll just coach Timmy, right? Like I'll just join, you know, won't that be a great way for us to bond? And layered on top of this, because you do such a beautiful job of teeing that up in your writing and on your podcast, you're, you're just such a, you're, you're such a logical story crafter and helping people understand where we got here. One other layer there is the layer of we're in the 80s, we're now in the 90s, when youth sports are starting to ratchet up, so too are trophies for everyone. And this parenting philosophy, first of all, the verb parenting is coming into being. And there's this parenting philosophy of praise is the ticket to self-esteem. Self-esteem is the ticket to success. Success is the ticket to happiness. And so that also factors in to this story that you're building, right? That it's not just that sports are the place kids land, but sports are also the place where kids are praised for showing up. 100%. And academically, all of a sudden America shows up, you know, not number one in the world. We don't have the smartest kids. All of a sudden we're falling behind that way too, which, you know, foreshadowing college cheating scandal comes from that exact same position, right? Like we need to be the best. We need to be adept number one. We're going to be focused on the outcome, not on the progress. We're going to be focused on the trophy, not on did we learn anything, right? And so as we start to do that, what happens is, again, I, 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 there's no ill will. I do not believe there's a single parent out there that's like, let me screw up my kid. But what happens is this lost perspective parenting comes from, well, if we got Johnny and Timmy and Junior, you're like, just imagine, you know, we could really make a team. And that's where it just started growing that way, you know, and then AAU comes online and big companies like Nike come on and we start paying money, which is all the precursor to NIL and all this craziness that's going on with, you know, kids thinking it's all about the money when less than 00.001% will even make any money doing that, right? So we've lost all this perspective on why are we having them play sports? And the answer is, to use your body, less cortisol, less overuse, you know, less understanding of, of things going wrong so that I can get perspective for the long run. We're not looking for you to play D1 or D2 or D3 or pro. We want you to be an athlete for life. Because what we know is if the, the habits that we form in the first 30 years are going to project what we're going to do for the rest of our life. Right. So Kirsten, we know, right? I created a company all focused on this, right? That playing sports, being part of a team, build self-esteem, you have higher academic outcomes, lower anxiety, lower rates of anxiety, lower rates of depression in lower resource communities, lower rates of teenage pregnancies, lower rates of substance abuse, right? Like we know at its core that being physically active and being part of a team 
has so many incredible physical and mental health outcomes. And not to mention, you know, the data that gets spouted all the time that, you know, what is it like 94% of women in C-suite positions were, is it college athletes or high school athletes? I can't remember. Yeah, played up to college. Played up to college, right? So it's like, again, getting back to Cara's point, like, oh, well, it equals success and success equals happiness, which of course we all know is not true. And we, even though we say it, and then we also like push our kids to do it, the hypocrisy is endless. So we know there's all these amazing outcomes. And yet you sit here and we sit here and we all write about all the things that can go wrong and the concerning outcomes. I'm raising my hand because before you ask your question, can I just put an asterisk next to one thing you just said? Yes. I find the data about sports and success in business to be complicated because the sports that led these incredible women to be successful in business are the sports that Kirsten is describing from the 70s. Right. We don't yet have a great body of data on the sports from the 2000s that were really clearly becoming over-specialized and pathologized. I would argue they were pathologized. We don't know where that's landing people. And I do do think there's going to be a gigantic sort of follow-up chapter to this story, which shows that whatever that generalization was in the 70s and early 80s, wherever it existed in team engagement and in group thinking and in problem solving, that's what's going to be identified as sort of helping all people learn how to be leaders in the workplace. Okay, I'll stop now. Go no, on I think that's question, a great, Vanessa. I think that's a great point. And it kills me when that one statistic gets trotted out over and over again, because it's like a tiny corner of this world. So Kirsten, we know all the positive stuff, and yet we're all sitting here teed up to talk about all of our concerns about the youth sports reality and over-specialization. So when does it go wrong? We talked about the parent piece and the sort of like expectations and, you know, outsized stuff. In the kids' world, in their lives, in their bodies, in their minds, in their emotional lives, where do things go wrong? Dr. Shafali Sabari, who I really like her work, talks about the parenting ego a lot. And I think so much of what happens, and again, forget sports, it's about how we parent in general. Our value starts to come through our child. And we start to see, again, oh, look, my, my kid made the top team. Oh, they got into this school. Oh, they're doing X, Y, and Z. And we start feeling that we must be a good parent because they had X outcome. And those two are not mutually exclusive. They are just because your child failed. In fact, because they failed, they might've learned something more and allowing them to have that failure. The number of parents that don't allow for any X, you know, we're just going to go to another club. We're just going to go to a different coach. We're just going to go to, they're not getting the benefit of learning the lesson. And what's happening is, Cara, to your point earlier too, which I really believe is now you're seeing, you know, the whole thing is pro athletes down to college athletes, athletes have become high school, high school become middle school. Kids are graduating from high school and they've already been a pro athlete for 15 years, right? We've been doing this since kick and chase, right? So I see a lot of athletes that are like, I'm really good and I'm really over it. Mm Mm-hmm. I'm only playing because my dad wants me to play. I'm only playing because my mom wants me to play. I know I'm good at it. It's not about me. It's, 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 you know, and that was one of my questions. My chapters is whose dream is it? Right. <laughs> you know, right. and, you and that's, too. and you, and you talk about it in the book, because sometimes it's a dream of a parent who was really successful, who wants to see their kid manifest that success again. And sometimes it's a parent who was not successful and they want to see their kid be a different version, the, you know, the other fork in the road. Okay. But where is the line between, so that, yes, hundred percent. Where is the line between being the parent who has your own agenda and is pushing a kid 
either because you want it or because you want success for them in the framework that exists at the moment. So this is what life is right now. This is what sports looks like. And we can talk about how we can change that because I'm I'm hoping it changes. But where is the line between that and not encouraging your kid to give up or walk away when they do have an underlying passion, when they do have a skill, when they have invested a lot, you tell a story in the book that's beautiful about a young soccer player who at age 10 tried out for club and got cut. And I don't know if the retrospectoscope was at work in this storytelling or not, but it was a great story that involved amazing parenting and encouragement to keep on going despite being cut. And there are lots of versions of this story that you tell throughout the book, but this one really got me. And this kid shows up at 15 and tries out for the same coach. Mm -hmm. And when the coach announces that the, can I tell this story? Is this going to ruin the book? Okay. No. Um, And when the, hopefully it makes them buy it. (laughs) It's right. I mean, it's like, it's a, it's so beautiful when the coach announces that this kid has made the team says literally I have never in my 20 years of coaching club seen this happen where I cut someone at 10 and instead of quitting and leaving, they work harder Mm -hmm. and they go down a different path and here they are at 15 and this kid is going to be one of the biggest assets that I'm going to have this year on my team. Help us navigate those waters. Where is it okay to encourage your kid to keep going and how? And where do you have to back off? So when they're young, and I want to say from five up to 13, we want to focus on the three Fs, friends, fun, and fundamentals. I've had parents come to me, I coach nine-year-old volleyball. So sorry. I'm so embarrassed. She has never played before. Like apologizing that their nine-year-old hasn't played volleyball. I didn't start playing volleyball until I was 13, right? But yet we've got this shame society where like, oh, you didn't pick it at five. You're never going to amount to anything. Adam Grant's new book, Hidden Potential, I love. He really talks about really the prodigies that are identified early on are not the most successful Mm. usually in the long run. Just because you have a lot of talent early doesn't give you what you need sometimes in order to make it and go the distance. It's those that had to work and had to get some grit and had some failures that A, decide for themselves whether it's really for them and B, are they willing to put in the work? So when you do friends, fun and fundamentals, if your child, I think every coach, uh, youth sports coach should be judged on how many kids sign up the next season. Mm. Not what trophy you won, what your ranking was, how many games you won. It does not matter. The only thing that matters is that every kid on that team feels seen. Vanessa, we literally have three minutes to eat lunch every day. I am not joking. And the challenge is how to make it delicious and healthy and still fit into that tiny window. Our answer is factors ready to eat meals. They have been a godsend. We throw our factor meals in the microwave. It takes two minutes and out comes a gorgeous, fresh, never frozen meal. We both love the tamale vegetarian one. It's delish. There's a ton of options every week. There's 60 add-ons, breakfast, snacks, beverages. I love doing the wellness shots with my kids. They think it's hilarious. And I know they're getting vitamins and minerals in their bodies. So get meals on your table or at your desk in two minutes or less. Factor meals eliminate the hassle of prepping, cooking, and cleaning. You can customize with flexibility to get as much or as little as you need, and you can press pause or reschedule depending upon your lifestyle. So to order, go to factormeals.com slash puberty50 and use the code puberty50 to get 50% off your first box plus 20% off your next box. That code is puberty50 at factormeals.com slash puberty50 to get 50% off your first box, 20% off your next box. And I am going to go do that right now because I need more factor meals in my refrigerator. Cara, lately I have been lying awake at night. I'm physically exhausted, but I can't sleep because my mind is so wired with everything going on between work and my family 
So I've added magnesium breakthrough to my nightly routine and it actually helps calm my mind. It helps me get better sleep and I wake up feeling better rested. I'm less cranky and I'm more patient with my family and with you. Oh, I've noticed. And it's because unlike other magnesium supplements that might give one or two formulations of magnesium, Magnesium Breakthrough has seven. That's why you're sleeping so well and waking up refreshed. Now, dietary supplementation is always best, Vanessa. So that means eating your minerals and vitamins is the best way to get them in. But if you can't or you don't get enough, Magnesium Breakthrough is the way to go. It can also help digestion, though too much helps your digestion too much, which is not a good thing. It can support muscle recovery. So bye-bye, Charlie Horses. And it helps build dense bones, which is especially important for women approaching and in menopause. We have an exclusive offer for our listeners. You can go to buyoptimizers.com slash puberty, B-I-O-P-T-I-M-I-Z-E-R-S.com slash puberty. And you can use the code PUBERTY10 during checkout to save 10%. That promo code is PUBERTY10 at buyoptimizers.com slash puberty. Your body and brain and family and business partner will thank you. Cara, my kids love Magic Spoon cereal. And even though it's cereal, they actually love it as a homework snack. The variety pack has four flavors, cocoa, fruity, frosted, and peanut butter. And fruity is the favorite flavor in my house. Now, this pack has zero grams of sugar, between 13 and 14 grams of protein, and between four and five grams of net carbs per serving. It's made with wholesome ingredients, no artificial flavors or dyes, and it's high in protein, gluten-free, grain-free, and soy-free. So a great choice, Vanessa. You can go to magicspoon.com slash puberty to grab a variety pack and try it today. And be sure to use our, you guessed it, promo code puberty at checkout to save $5 off your order. And Magic Spoon is so confident you're going to love their product. It's backed with a 100% happiness guarantee. So if you don't like it for any reason, they will refund your money. No questions asked. They do not want you to send their cereal back to them. Try a bowl of Magic Spoon cereal today at magicspoon.com slash puberty and use the code puberty to save $5. I see you. I see you working hard. I don't care if they can't walk and chew gum. I don't care if they're the most talented athlete they've ever seen. But unfortunately, our human nature is to love on the ones that show early potential and to kick the ones to the curb that we're like, yeah, that doesn't really work for me. I'm just going to kind of hopefully manage them out. The fourth F that I say for the parents is FOMO. Mm-hmm. Don't have the FOMO. Well, juniors over there doing privates and they've got a coach and they're doing... If you want your child to allow every year, and it's a, it, I'm sure this is what you guys talk, talk about in the book too, which is having 91 minute conversations, not one 90 minute conversation. We're going to sign up for soccer. The end of soccer season, we're going to talk about how it goes all season and when it ends. What'd you think? Oh, it was really hard or this. Okay, great. You're done with it. What would you like to do next? It's an, it's an opportunity to learn and you're going to take all of these skills. And again, at some point for us all, the ball stops bouncing. So everything you're learning about friends, about fun, about winning, about losing, that's going to make you a better friend, a better sister, a better brother, a better athlete, a better student. Okay, I agree. Yeah, hallelujah. You have that conversation after a hard first soccer season. Yeah. Classic entry point, right? Nine, 10 eight, seven, six, five, four, three, five, um, five. Yeah. Um, and they say it wasn't fun. I didn't like the kids on my team. I didn't like my uniform. I was hot and sweaty. I, whatever it is, maybe it's an understandable complaint. Maybe it's a, a very five-year-old complaint. So give us some guideposts to parent through that, what are some things that parents can do as they're trying to check their reactions to their own kid? So you're looking for signs that they have natural interest in it. You have to drag them to the practice. You have to pack the bag for them. You have to, you know, drag them out of the car. Like those are warning signs or probably indications that this isn't for them. 
fine. Hey, looks like you're not a team sport. Not all of us are competitive. Not all of us want to play a team sport. That's fine. So it's a research project. Okay, great. So what would you like to do next? What does interest you? Noticing, you know, some things that they like to do on their free time. Mm -hmm. You know, when my middle one hit kind of hit a roadblock and all he wanted to do was game, I said, we consume, consume, consume. You need to be creating. If you want to watch YouTube, you need to create your own YouTube channel. Within a couple of weeks, he was done. <laughs> 15,000 downloads because he was like pouring milk on his head and he was out <laughs> the RV. Like all of these kids started following him. It kind of overwhelmed him. But I saw his personality again like, mm-hmm. oh, this is who I am, not this, not me. Right. Like, so asking good questions around, you know, and finding what are their interests. And again, it doesn't have to be about playing on a team. With Dynamo Girl, people would come to me with like, they're six-year-old and they'd be like, you are my last hope. My kid is not an athlete. And in my head, I'm like, dude, your kid is six. You have no idea what your kid is or isn't. Like, they just like, they can't even tie their shoes yet. But they would say to me, you're my last hope. I took them to one soccer class and they didn't like it. Or they did two tennis lessons and they wanted to quit or gymnastics lasted 14 minutes, right? Like, I feel like my concern is people cycle through stuff and they don't allow their kids this time to like move through the discomfort and recognize that their first reaction isn't the whole reaction or that like when you join a team, you have to get to know people and you have to initiate stuff and you have to like maybe be a little bit lonely or a little uncomfortable. Like, I love the idea of kind of letting your kid drive experimenting with different sports because what we haven't mentioned yet today, but is important and we want to make sure to mention it is like kids should be doing lots of different kinds of physical activity. Like specialization should wait till their bodies are much more grown till high school or later, depending on their stage of puberty, right? We want them moving their bodies in a lot of different ways and trying lots of different stuff. So Kirsten, when someone says to you, like, they're not an athlete, I've tried everything, it's over, right? And like, the kid is like sucking their thumb and like still in diapers. Like, what what do you say to that in a way that doesn't shame them, right? Because they are part of this thing. They are not bad actors, as you say, right? They are being fed all this information and they're ready to give up. What I usually find is that it's a source of the parents' discomfort is they don't like seeing their child uncomfortable. Mm. And it's hard to watch your kid not be chosen. Suck. <laughs> yeah, and suck and not be the star. And I've been there. I've, I mean, my daughter, I wrote about it in 14s. We went to the tournament and she was the only child that didn't get in. I mean, I had to go take a lap. I was just like, oh my God, this is hard. So I, I am not saying it's easy. It is hard to be that one that yours is, we flew all the way to Kansas City. She goes, mom, I'm a front row player. They allowed the back row players to play before me. They didn't even play me. Like, and, they, and I was the only front row player left, right? Like, so there are moments when you're like, you feel like you're being knifed in the gut. And when they're that little, six and seven, you can't tell me that they're good at anything or not good at anything. It's all an experiment, right? Right, but then we get to puberty and the kids who were not, great, all of a sudden become breakout stars. And the kids who were stars for years, all of a sudden plateau. And that same feeling of, I got to take a lap, like everything gets thrown up in the air and who you thought your kid is and who you thought you were as a parent transforms again. So as they age up, what is the mess? I love that I had to take a lap. (laughs) Talk about that, that like, In your head, you're like, I am not being the person I want to be right now on the sidelines. Talk us through that, Kirsten. We we write the book we need to read, you know, like, (laughs) like, and and again, I am so competitive. Like, you know, my husband, like, he's awesome. He just sits back and he's like voice of reason all the time. So I have him in the back of my head. And of course, I... I know how to act externally, but that's not what's going on inside, right? My husband sometimes says to me, you cannot stand by me. Like go away because I can feel your stress like shimmering off of you and you got to piss off and go somewhere else. Can I ask the follow along question to Vanessa's? So 
I am the mother. I talk about this a lot of a kid who had an athletic glow up. That's what I'm going to call it. <laughs> and right. And he went from being not a star to he was an early bloomer that worked to his advantage for a whole bunch of reasons that I'd like to talk about in a minute. And then it allowed him to get better and better, faster and faster. Mm-hmm. I am also the parent of a child. It might be the same child who pushes it too hard, mm-hmm. who found success. And then instead of quitting, did the opposite and wouldn't quit and doesn't know how to sit out when he's sick and has had so many years of experience where he wasn't particularly good and then found success and now is afraid to let go of one iota of that success. Mm-hmm. So can we start there? Will you talk about how to guide kids who won't give themselves a break or ease up even when you know better? And then can we go backwards a little bit and talk about puberty and early bloomers and late bloomers and what you see? I don't know if you're saying exactly this, but Dolly and I did a talk a couple of years ago about perfectionism mm-hmm. and the idea of us and you know, what are our kids seeing in the world on their phones everywhere about how I need to show up? And some of us are just wired that way. It's not necessarily we're trying to keep up with anybody else, but we like to do things well and allowing ourselves to fail, to have it not go perfectly and go, gosh, oh, that was interesting. That didn't go the way I thought. I'm going to try it this way. And actually what they find is perfectionists usually don't reach the level that they could because they get so worried about the outcome mm-hmm. that they can't open the aperture and experiment, which would actually get better results, right? So I don't know that I have the solution except for helping him find opportunities to say, God, that didn't go that well. What where, what didn't go well and why, and how are we going to address it in a way that allows you to grow? Yeah. And it doesn't necessarily mean work harder and train more. No. Right. My kid is obsessed. And I had one of those. I mean, they tell the story. I don't know if it's in the book, but my oldest was a basketball fiend. Like he would sleep in his basketball shoes and we would go to the beach. We first moved to San Diego, go to the beach and he wouldn't take his basketball shoes off. I'm like, are you freaking kidding me? You know, like (laughs) just that was so we get to high school. He's a ninth grader. He's like speaking of, you know, late bloomer, five, nine, 130 pounds soaking wet. Like. Nobody in Vegas is coming to recruit you, sweetie. But he was so, you know, like that was his dream. And Mm -hmm. I'm like, we're going to do Vegas for a week. And then we're going to go whitewater rafting in, in, you know, in Wyoming. He sat in the back of that boat. Like, I don't want to be here. I want to be in Las Vegas. Everybody's in Vegas. And it's so funny because I asked him about that story a couple of weeks ago. And he's like, what are you talking about? No memory. Do you remember whitewater rafting? It was pretty fun. Like, do you remember what you did the entire time? He's like, nope. Okay, so let's go to puberty. Yeah. Talk us through the experiences of both the early bloomers and the late bloomers in terms of athletic success or lack thereof. And what, you know, just download your brain. And I'm just going to tag on to Car's question. On our book tour, one of the hardest, most heartbreaking questions we would get in almost every talk was a parent of a late blooming boy whose athletic career was, let's say, on the ropes because mm-hmm. of his stage of puberty. And it it was so like we were right there with that parent and with that kid. So I just want listeners to know if that's your experience, you are not alone. We got that question over and over and over again. I actually think both sides are really hard. My opening story is about a kid, true story, my, my middle son played with. And he was a great athlete and he was super big. He's shaving in, you know, sixth grade and the parents were excited. And he was, Mm -hmm. he literally didn't have to go to all the practices. He still started. He didn't have to, you know, he was doing both basketball and soccer and he just kind of got to show up because he was super athletic and he was dividing his time. And eventually, I mean, I I remember clearly running into the guy at the post office in Brentwood and I said, oh, how's he doing? And he said, He's got a pars stress fracture in his back and he can't play. And he said, and I feel like a horrible parent, but he was, you know, you don't know. And you're so excited. I don't think he did anything wrong. We get excited about, 
He loved both. He wanted to do both. We're supporting. He's like, we're driving all over. But that's where the parenting piece is. That's so yeah. hard. We have to help them. You know what? We are going on vacation for a week. We are going to take a break. Yeah. I- I'm sorry, but you're not going to get to play five games in one weekend. It's not good on your development and your body. And I just want to say, we're not going to get into the data of overuse because both Kirsten and we in our books go deep into the the data. So and you research. can buy and read the books. <laughs> yeah, basically. And also because I Kirsten's so good at talking about this, I don't want to spend time on data. So Kirsten, that story just about broke my heart. And we all know those kids who were early bloomers found success and then everybody kind of caught up to them. And emotionally and physically, that was really tough. Can we talk about late bloomers and kind of what you're seeing and what advice you have for parents there? And equally heartbreaking because again, my husband's six, five, I'm six feet tall. We joked that we were going to be holding our five-year-old's hand like this, like he was going to be huge. And, and he wasn't, I mean, he's not small, but he was never, both my sons were were very average Mm -hmm. all the way through. And it was, he, he got, they got cut off of teams. They didn't start on teams. Like they had the headwind all the way. And so what I like to say is parents, if this is their dream, giving them the tools to grow the grit and the resilience and the gratitude. You know, there are 10 things that require zero talent. That's what we want to focus on. Are you showing up? Do you have a great attitude? What's your eye contact like? What's your energy like when you're not on the floor? What are the things that you do? And this applies to school. This applies to life. This applies to every, this book is not about sports. This book is about raising good humans who are like, know who they are because it didn't go well. Because I did, I got cut from the varsity. Again, my son's high school, I remember this mom coming up to me in tears. We've played water polo for nine years. He's been on the Olympic development team for nine years. Senior year, he gets cut. She's like, I'm devastated. Mm -hmm. The other part is our identities are tied to that, right? Like that's what we know. Those are our friends. That's who we spend time with. There's tremendous pressure, especially for the late bloomers to try to keep up right? That if they can hang on by their fingernails at some point, they are going to grow, they are going to bloom, they do stand a chance. And in fact, there are lots of stories, lots of the latest bloomers being the most successful at fill in the blank because of the grittiness and because of the challenge. But there are physical risks, right? There are very clear physical risks to, you know, if you're on a football field and the person opposing you weighs 30 or 40 or 50 pounds more than you do. There are true physical risks. And then there are the physical risks, these weave through the book of simply being a kid whose body is growing and changing. And so there are the overuse injuries or the freakish injuries that aren't so freakish that have to do with, you know, ligaments being particularly loosey-goosey because you've got an estrogen surge or, or, you know, whatever it is. And these are not things in the forefront of the minds of the parents who are so sucked into the cycle that you're describing. And the cycle is intoxicating because it is, as you have so beautifully showed and said, it is what defines who they are and who you are as a parent. Like this is Oh, this is so, so powerful. So let's sort of try to go down a road of wrapping by starting with how do parents break that cycle for themselves while still supporting and loving and emboldening the kids in their lives? So my podcast, Hashtag Raising Athletes with Susie Walton. Susie Walton is the most the most beautiful stoic I've ever met. She's so Zen. She, she's a parenting coach. She's been doing it for 40 years. She raised her four boys. You know, and she and I talk a lot about, we've got to be aware at least of our own, again, our own reactions to things and what we're modeling, right? 90% of what we say, they won't listen to, but they're watching everything we do Mm -hmm. and how we choose to respond to it. So parents, if you're you know, she likes to say, if you're doing nothing wrong, if you're one of those perfect people, get off at the wrong exit once. 
Like Mm. give them permission to not do it right. To have the, oh, wow, that didn't go right. I mean, I do, we try to talk around the dinner table. Wow, I got turned down by 50 publishers. You know, like it's been a hard go. Gee, didn't get on that show. Gee, that didn't go well. But allowing them to see our full, you know, things that are not going well. And, and that's okay. Not, not only is that okay, that's normal. Mm-hmm. And allowing them to see like, what are you willing to try and have it just go so-so? Let's use a really specific scenario to bring people home here. The car ride home from a race or a game or a match. And let's just say your kid did not win the winning goal or score the winning point or win the race, right? Let's say your kid's performance was not what anyone hoped it would be. What does that car ride home sound like? And what doesn't it sound like, Kirsten? Unfortunately, a lot of the time it sounds like the parent either attacking the child or attacking a coach or another player or the ref or making excuses for why this didn't go well. The only six words they need to hear, I love to watch you play. That's it. Tomorrow, if you want to talk about the game, hey, over breakfast, you know, if you're interested, I'd love to chat with you. If you're not, that's okay. I'm good. (laughs) Usually by the time you get to the yogurt shop, they've forgotten about the game. Mm -hmm. Remember what happened and this, and we're bringing it up. We keep bringing it back into the future. Let it go. Allow it to pass. Most of the time, and I know there's some people like, no, 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 my kid's super competitive. There's tears. He's crying the whole ride home. I'm so sorry that that didn't go the way you thought. What do you want for dinner? You keep needing to probe and pry and, and put your own agenda in it. Is not helpful. It's so hard. It took me four kids to get there. Four kids and 20 years to get there. It is so... I only have two kids, so I'm not there yet. (laughs) (laughs) Cara's still spending the whole car ride home unpacking. The one thing that started happening with my kids that I found really interesting was they would say things like, what do you think I should have done differently? That's different. So if they start asking for your opinion, and particularly since you played soccer, they see you as an expert. A lot of times you have a parent- I mean, not really, but that's very generous. But let's go with this example. (laughs) (laughs) They never played the sport. They don't know the rules. Well, it was offsides. No, it wasn't, mom. You know, like- that's, that's when you, okay, you you just stay in your lane, but if you actually have expertise and some of the parents are coaching their kids too, which also adds another level of, you know, complexity, but asking, Hey, you know, my husband coached my sons and they do, they say, you know, what, what'd you think, dad, what do you want to, you know? And and they'll, he'll say, if you want my feedback, let me know. Okay, great. It depends on the kid. Some kids won't want to hear anything and other kids have a growth mindset. I want to know how to get, how to get better. Mm-hmm. It is for that. That's okay. It's such a good place to land because if there's one parent in our household who does have expertise in the sport and there's one who doesn't. And honestly, that strategy works for both of us. That when we back off, that gives space for him to come back to us. And what he asks of us is different. He will ask for athletic advice from the expert and he will ask for emotional or social advice related to the team and the sport from the non-expert. But the advice really, really does work across the board. It's incredible. Well, what breaks my heart is hearing, and again, a true story, but my son had a friend who they lost. The kid didn't play well. The dad had really high expectations. And he came up to him and he said, can I walk to the car with you? I know I'm going to hear it the whole way home. So I just want 10 more minutes where he's not going to yell at me. Mm -hmm. And I can't believe there'd be a single parent who would hear that and would say, yeah, that's exactly what I'm going to do. You would hope they would hear, my kid is actually scared to get in the car with me. Mm -hmm. I I need to back off. Yeah. I mean, we had a 24 hour rule. We had a no talking about the game and the car ride home. That was the aspiration, not always the reality, but that was the the effort. And we had a 24 hour rule. And normally that prevented us from doing or saying anything really harmful. But that was after, you know, my oldest turned to me, he was eight. I was on the sidelines, my oldest kid. And he gave me the zip your lip 
symbol from the field because dummy that I was, was coaching him from the sidelines, which by the way, if you coach your kids from the sidelines, stop doing it immediately. And again, there's a million reasons why you can read about it in the book. Cara, did you want to I just want to say, yeah, I just want to say one last thing, which is to the parents who don't realize they're yelling. Sometimes when we, and this is not about sports either. Mm -hmm. Sometimes when we're communicating we think we're communicating in a calm and rational way. And what they hear is an all caps version mm-hmm. of what we're saying. And so that is why zip it is such a nice universal rule of thumb. <laughs> just take a lap if you need just to zip it. Yeah. I, I mean, Kirsten, it's wonderful talking to you. It's such a breath of fresh air. It is so in line with so much about what we read and what we believe and what we've experienced, but you come at this from a perspective that is truly unique and truly expert. And actually, most people who are bloviating about this are not actually in it. They didn't grow up in it. They didn't work in it. They don't parent in it. They don't know it the way you do. So thank you for this. Thank you for your voice. We will link in the show notes to your book, which is Vanessa's holding up right now for the YouTube crowd, Raising Empowered Athletes. We will link to your podcast and let all of our listeners know where else they can find you. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you so much for having me. This is this is lovely. And last note would be, I find those who played at the highest levels lean the furthest back. Yep. And the parents who never played are the ones that are... They're way too into it for way too many of the wrong reasons. Let them be. It's got to be their dream. Yes, you're giving them the guardrails. Yes, you're giving them the support. But don't take their light. Thank you, Kirsten. Thank you, Kirsten. Thank you both. You're so amazing. We absolutely love hearing your feedback and getting all your questions. So anytime you want to be in touch, email us at thepubertypodcast at gmail.com. If you're looking for great puberty products like the Oom shorts or the Oom socks or the Oom bra, you get the theme there, go to myoomla.com. If you want more content, you love what we do on the Puberty Podcast and you want to have us come speak or learn more about our book or subscribe to our amazing newsletter, The Awkward Roller Coaster go to orderofmagnitude.co. Remember, it's .co because we don't have enough money to buy .com yet. Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And it's all priced at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com slash trip for free shipping and 365-day returns. Hold up. What was that? Boring. No flavor. That was as bad as those leftovers you ate all week. Kiki Palmer here, and it's time to say hello to something fresh and guilt-free. Hello Fresh. Jazz up dinner with pecan-crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Now that's music to my mouth. Hello Fresh. Let's get this dinner party started. Discover all the delicious possibilities at hellofresh.com.